Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. I'm not. I'm not even sure what to uh, what to think of today because I'm. I'm happy first of all to be back. And before I even get started too far, we'll we'll talk about execution. But um, I think I'd like to call this episode "Smoke Something, Drink Something." I, I think that's that's a good name for this episode. DJ Eek in Southern Hospitality, and today I'm not even sure if I give everyone the history on our history. But I'm so super proud of you, and I'm so super glad that you are sitting with me today, Jalene. And what I what I want to do is I'll I'll let you give everyone the spill on who you are, and and your credentials, and and what you like to do, and then we'll get into like the whole story of you, and we'll talk about we have to talk about Nipsey Hussle, which yeah. is a sad day for hip hop, and then we'll just talk about a bunch today in today's I, I like that name a lot too. Smoke something, drink something. <laughs> Southern Hospitality. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Got a little tired, but we're here. Give them the spill because <laughs> I, I I didn't want to take away from all the great things that you have going on. So so give them the spill on who you are and 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 what you're into. So I'm Jalene Dual Kadir. I mean, you've probably seen me around if you've seen Ikan. At one point, I was like his left titty. I'm the intern, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I evolved into. Can we curse? Yes, you can do whatever you like. Okay, awesome. So I've evolved into an attorney. I'm a practicing attorney attorney here in Florida. I've been practicing for the last seven years. And my focus really now is on business, cannabis, and the hemp space. So that's what I'm doing right now. I got my uh, JD from Nova Southeastern, and I've been out here practicing ever since. You know how old I feel right now for you to say that you were my intern at one time, and then you've been practicing law for seven years? But that was like literally a technicality because we're like the same age. It's just that you got into the game like a lot earlier than I did. I have to. I'm a guy. They don't they don't allow me to, you know, you come women come into the game. It's a whole different thing. But that's a discussion for another day. Can we can we can we talk first about um, the things that are taking place in hip hop right now? Because I know you're you're a major hip hop fan, which is kind of how we gravitated towards each other in the very beginning. What's your take on the whole Nipsey Hustle thing? I think it's a tragedy. I think it hit a lot of people really close to home, really close to their heart, because I think genuinely the consensus was he was a good guy. Right. And a lot of positive things for the hip hop community, his local community. He had a very good platform and he used it to spread positive positivity, which is rare. Right. right now you get a lot of the BS. You get a lot of the soldier boys and the Kodak blacks of the world. And I happen to love both of them. But um, are they doing anything for the culture, for political statements? Are they uh, progressing the culture forward? I can't 100% say that with confidence. But for Nip, Nipsey Hussle, um, I think a lot of people felt that he was a very positive influence on our culture and the music and business. And, you know, he had a really good platform again and he used it for good. Does it seem like hip hop is the only genre, though, that that your life seems like it's constantly? And I mean, like I said, I know you being down in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, you've seen your share of parties and, and craziness and even having clients in this hip hop world and now even dealing in the cannabis space. I'm sure you've seen some things. Can we get out of this thing of where hip hop, no matter how much you continue to grow, that you still feel threatened? Do you think there's a space that there's a space for that? You know what? I don't think that that's going to happen in the near future. I mean, j- just being realistic, um, not being a pessimist, but um, 
we'll, we'll see what happens. We're, we're, we jump on this band rag wagon for a month, a few weeks, rip Nipsey Hussle, uh, rip uh, the other gentleman that passed away, the basketball Triple X ten, Tentacion. Him, and then there was a basket, Clifford Dix, Nixon, Clifford oh, Dixon. Yeah, right, yep. As well, he was buried yesterday. So we jump on these things, and we're sorry for a minute, but then the new thing comes on. Uh, a Kardashian gets cheated on. Kylie puts out a new lip kit, and we're completely distracted. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. There's a couple of us that are woke, but that's few and far between. Which brings me somewhere else. Are, I mean, we, are we really? Are we really woke? <laughs> well, that's what I said. I ain't even really that woke. I'm are afraid we? to be I woke, don't... actually. Because I, I, honestly, you know what I think about the word woke? I think woke is like a cliche term, kind of like keeping it real. Because yeah. I think if you really are real, you, do you have to tell anybody if you really are real? They kind of know. You don't. It's already understood. And if you're woke, you know you're woke, I guess. What I would like to, to, to ask you, though, especially in our social media era, why is it so hard for somebody like Nipsey to get that love he's getting right now while he's here? Do you see the love he's getting on social media? Yeah, no, because he's dead. It's a, it's a, he passed away. Sorry to say it so bluntly, he passed away. But I mean, um, if it's not something controversial, if it's not something that's Instagram worthy, it's not really getting much attention, is it? From the from the masses, right? From the general population. No, we want fast news that we can consume quickly. That's entertaining. We don't even want to be informed anymore. We rely on fake news. We just want to be entertained. Right. Because speaking of Nipsey Hussle, the big story on that was it was a government conspiracy because <laughs> he was producing a documentary and they wanted to keep him quiet on the cure for AIDS. Yeah. Look and we ran with that on social media. Buy into a conspiracy theory, then buy into the fact that his close friend allegedly or a close associate allegedly murdered him. And if you look at the footage, He's just hanging out with his boys and someone literally walks up to him and ends his life. Yeah, it's a sad time we live in. Like we don't we don't value life anymore. It, it, and it's really sad. Five. That is what is that? Literally a minute and a half, 90 seconds. And the whole world of hip hop, his family. Everyone's life has changed. Everything has changed. Yep. Well, um, I'm, I'm glad I got to talk to you about that. R.I.P. Nipsey Hussle. I wanted I wanted to get your thoughts on that being being that you are indeed a um a hip-hop fan i can say that because you actually know some things do you do you still practice in the in the in the uh entertainment space at all as a lawyer, do, as an attorney i do but i don't do projects um anymore like per projects i mean i'm in it for the long term so if a company or a, or an artist is investing in themselves it has a legal budget it needs wants to invest and do it the right way i'm totally on board but it, it to take me out of the cannabis space and the business space right now it it comes at a premium, I'm not going to lie, because I'm um, not dealing with knucklehead artists. That we're we're going to get to the cannabis space, but you know what? Here at Southern Hospitality, we want to learn some things. And you being an attorney is so great for some of these artists. Because I have a lot of artists right now that are hitting me up about interviews and things of that nature. Why as an attorney, why wouldn't you take, why wouldn't you take a, a project? Why, why, what A local rapper walks up to you right now. He's like, yo, I, I, want, I want you to represent me. What are some of the things that you look for before you represent a client? Well, what do you want me to represent you doing? If you just want to say that you have a lawyer and I'm not even on retainer, you signed my document, but you haven't retained me. What, what is the purpose of this, of this having this lawyer? So a lot of times people hear, okay, you need to have a manager. You need to have a publicist. You need to have a lawyer. What do you want to accomplish? Do you want to trademark your name? Do you want IP, IP protection? 
Are you trying to negotiate a deal? Are you trying to, what exactly are you trying to accomplish? So that's really the first question out the gate. Right. And what is your budget? That's the second question. What, what kind of, because you'll run into a lot of people that want to barter. Oh, well, um, you know, I uh, really doesn't have anything to offer, but they want to barter or um, I can take your pictures. I could do a new promo for you if you represent me on this deal. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You can't, <laughs> you can't, pay, the, you can't pay the car payment on, on, on those pictures being taken? No, no. It doesn't work like that when it comes to real business. It doesn't work like that. So they have to be serious about what they want to do. The new thing I'm hearing, the new thing I'm hearing, and I, I'm sorry if I cut you off. The new thing I'm hearing that's going around online too is, you know, a lot of people are doing, you know, they're giving advice online and, and people that are in the game and in the industry. And one of the big things that's being said now is you shouldn't worry about a manager unless you have something to manage. Because the manager is really only supposed to make money if you're actually making money. Right. Now, we've also heard, though, in the history, and we can go back as far as TLC, things before that, that an attorney is needed early. So are they doing right by, by talking to you early in their career? Um, or better there's... yet, when should they start? Like, when should they really start looking and should they start should they interview attorneys should they take recommendations for an attorney should they make sure their attorney is not associated with the other party that they're talking about making a deal with yeah those are just a few of my questions yeah all right well let's let's take it back to like the the first bunch of questions here so at what point should someone look for an attorney again it depends on what your purpose is what are you trying to do with this attorney if you're looking for someone to just generally represent you in business right then that's fine. You go to the attorney and you say, hey, I just need general representation for everything that comes down my path, my pike. I want a dedicated attorney to protect me from my manager, from my label, from protect me from myself. Like, I need an attorney just to protect me. That's fine. And you should do that early. A lot of people don't. I would say the majority of people don't. The majority of artists just do not. And it's usually to their detriment because the manager usually, if they have one, will usually have an attorney. And a lot of times you get this this weird relationship, which is illegal actually, guys, for your manager's attorney to represent the manager and represent you at the same time when negotiating your management contract. Whoa, whoa. Say that again for the people in the back. It is illegal for your manager's attorney to represent you and your manager in the negotiation of your management contract. It is completely illegal. I don't know a state where that's freaking legal. Unless you sign a conflict waiver, and that's still pretty much a, an apparent, blatant con- conflict. Right. I don't know how you get around that. I don't know how you get around that. The second thing is you need an attorney to make sure that your manager is actually licensed. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to get super deep into the whole manager being licensed thing. Because, you know, a lot of these things start out where... Pookie may have Ray Ray, who's his first cousin, and they just been together. So Ray Ray starts taking on these roles of being manager because he because in the beginning, there's not a bunch of money. It's just a team of people who believe in the dream. Yeah. So how does Pookie deal with Ray Ray as the money starts starts growing? Because there should be a step in there where they do some paperwork, too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They need to get into a man. There there are some nuances and it's not I'm not going to get into all of the meat and potatoes of it. But when it comes to family, there are situations where you can manage them without a license. But for the most part, you need one, right? And But you would still do a management contract. 
But my job as the attorney is to say, hey, all right, well, I noticed that your manager doesn't have a license. If shit does hit the fan, guess what? We have a way out of this contract. You understand what I'm saying? Right. The manager's attorney is not going to say that. They're not going to tell you what your rights are and your, your ways out and the ways to figure out all the ins and outs of the contract. They're not going to do that for you because they don't represent you. Right. They represent the manager. <laughs> These are, all, these are all things I think a lot of these, I think, I, cause I, you know what I think? So many artists talk to me and they don't want to read. They just, I got this music, you know, and they start hitting up DJs, they get in your DMs, they this, they other, and they don't think about these things that you're talking to me about. You know, I got, like people keep talking, say again. They don't have to read if they don't want to, but they need to get someone who can read on their behalf. But if they, they don't want to get someone that can read on their behalf, then they need to read it themselves. There's two options. Let's get a percentage on how much you should trust your 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 lawyer, though. You can trust me. I, I can't speak for every other lawyer, but you can trust me. You run into problems where sometimes lawyers want percentages on your deals. Are they are they arguably working in your best interest? Yeah, they're working to get their percentage. So, I mean, but a lot of people do it. I can say that I've done it before. I don't think it's the best way to work. But sometimes when you're when you're dealing with a couple million dollars on the table. And you've got a client who doesn't necessarily have the ten or fifteen thousand dollars to retain you on the deal. Hey, what do you do? You know the deal's going to go through. You take a percentage on the deal. Um, if it doesn't go through, if you're you're you know you take the L. But a lot of attorneys will push the deal through just so they can get their percentage. Is there a way to check to to, to make sure that your attorney is not in cahoots with the other attorney? Because and, and, and I asked that question because if you look into the TLC story, one of the things that I really noticed about that was when they were going back to go over their paperwork and they were going to the lawyer and this, that and the other. And they started talking to the lawyer. Left eye goes, man, I bet we even had to pay for those those trucks because you remember the big story was they all had made all this money. So they thought, but they were driving Suzuki sidekicks, yeah, which back yeah. then was like driving a Nissan Sentra. But your TLC. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So in this conversation and follow me now, left eye goes, I bet we even had to pay for those stupid Suzuki sidekicks. And the lawyer goes, yeah, you did. It's you're pretty much paying for them. They weren't a gift. Right. And then it turned out that he was also Pebbles lawyer. Yeah. How do you is there a way that and and I'm talking about this for because I want new artists to pay attention to things that they can check on because I'm because in the lawyer space I'm sure you know other attorneys you guys have been in you know you associate with each other how can a client check to make sure that their lawyer is not in cahoots with the attorney that they're you know that they're making a deal with the very first thing is you need to do an independent search for your lawyer. A lot of times the other party will recommend someone like, hey, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the lawyer. I know someone, um, you know, come sit down with them. I know someone. I'll even go with you to the meeting. Oh, wow. No, that's a red flag. You take your own business to your own lawyer. And if you have any question about it, you ask them to run a conflict check and you want something in writing, letting them know that they're not in conflict with the firm that's representing the other party. By law, they're supposed to run a conflict check. There are supposed to be no conflicts. They're not supposed to be in cahoots with, with opposing counsel or co-counsel on the, on the other side. They're not supposed to be. I mean, I know a lot of other attorneys that we're friends with. We'll go, uh, I'll see them in the courthouse. Uh, we'll go out to dinner. We'll go out and have drinks. But when it comes down to your client, 
Right. You have a fiduciary duty to protect your client. And that is the bottom line. It's not, it's not to protect yourself or the other side, your client, the artist. So what really, really helps them is getting things in writing for conflict checks and um, getting everything in, in, in writing. So if something does happen, they can go to the state bar and say, listen, this was malpractice and I need to get cut a check because I missed out on something because of this attorney's foolery and fuck shit. I have I never, just, I have never in all of my time being in this game heard of a conflict checked. I've never heard of it. Usually because people don't know what to look for. That's one of the first things I do when I, when I intake a new client before they even sign the paperwork. I'm like, you know what? Let me run a con- conflict check. Who is the other party? I, I either have my assistant or I do it myself or have my husband do it. Somebody does it. Um, goes through my entire database of, of clients that I've spoke to, my, even my prospects, to see if any one of those parties, and there's software for this, doesn't take that long, right. to see if any of those parties have ever com- you know, communicated with me. Have I ever represented anybody, an owner of a company, uh, even on another deal, to make sure that I'm not conflicted out? But not every attorney is going to do that. So you want something in writing to make sure that they're running the conflict check. I'm super proud of you. I'm super proud that your heart is in the right place of you not out here on the fuckery that, you know, you're really about making sure your clients know the right thing. Because I, like I said, I, I've, I don't want to rap. I, I have no desire to rap at all, but not once has any, and I've been around a lot of attorneys. Not once has anyone ever told me about a conflict check. I've just always had that question about wondering, you know, how do you check both parties and then watching things like the TLC story. Watching things like the TLC story, they make you think about, you know, a lot of a lot of the fuckery that goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And a lot of it does happen. And you can't. um, And unfortunately, people get caught in the crosshairs of that. A lot of it does happen. So you got to really do your due diligence on your lawyer. So tell me, which brings us to your new space. How how what made you decide to make the shift from. What was your base? Your base. I know you did a lot of entertainment law because of the simple fact that we talk about a lot of things on the regular. What made you decide that this cannabis space that you're moving into and you can explain it more, more in more detail to me? What made you decide that that was a space that you wanted to be into? I mean, I kind of just fell into it at the time. um, Florida was considering legalizing medical marijuana. This was this was even two or three years before the actual bill went through, excuse me, excuse me. Um, and I was working for this pharmaceutical consulting company and I did a lot of research into medical marijuana. I looked at all the studies. I looked at all of the legislation that was being proposed and I was like, this is a wonderful idea and people are about to get paid doing this. I'm like, how are you going to take weed? Something that as a culture, minority culture, we have, we've mastered. Make it into this multi-billion dollar industry that's just white dominant. I was like, this is crazy. I was like, this is going to be a huge industry. I'm getting in. So I was closeted for a long time because it was very controversial. But in the background, I've been following the law, both internationally and domestically, state to state. Um, and I, I watched the development of medical marijuana and I've watched how industrial hemp is being embraced by a lot of the right side, you know, the MAGAs. Right. And even and even, even the left. I mean, everyone's into it. Everyone is touting the benefits of hemp. So I've moved in to the hemp space, the cannabis, the marijuana space. Um, and it's great. The green, 
it, it just I just fell into it. I'm passionate now, about it. I love it. Now, let me stop you here, because as a non-smoker, as a non-smoker, I've heard various things. I I hear these terms like, is it CC? What is it? CC? Come on. CBD. CBD. Mm-hmm. I hear the cannabis space. I hear and 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 being being honest because everybody talks like they know all these things. You know mm-hmm. what it sounds like to me when I first hear it and, and I've run into different people. I'm about to get into this space. It sounds like the Bitcoin thing that was going on maybe a year ago, right? Everybody was going to get rich in a month. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, I know how to get rich in a month. Mm-hmm. It just sounds way too easy. So yeah. can you explain the spaces? that are that are here and I, and if, if there's too many i guess give me like the top three spaces that are that are here so that the people listening that are afraid to ask the questions that i ask because i'm honest i want to learn yeah. something here listen you're not gonna you're not gonna flip a couple hundred thousand dollars in this space and make it in a month because this is a crop this is an actual plant right. so if you want to delve into growing cannabis whole other animals super complicated is there a whole ton of money in it right now? The, the ship has kind of sailed on that one. Um, unless you're in a state where you're, they're launching a whole new recreational and medical marijuana program right. where you can right. jump on that and you can pay to play, then yeah, go ahead and do that. You're still not going to make your money back overnight. You're not going to make it in a month. This is not Bitcoin. It's not the dot-com era. Um, it's not even real estate where you're flipping and you can make your money in a month or two. It's not like that. This is a long-haul investment and there's a lot of rules and regulations so you've got to be ready to fight an uphill battle with regulatory authority so we've got that on the on the marijuana side cbd now is derived from industrial hemp it's one of the 80 compounds that you find in cannabis in the cannabis plant it's the same species as as regular marijuana it's just that hemp has very low thc levels it's no longer under the Controlled Substances Act. Um, the DEA removed it um, under the Farm Bill, 2018 Farm Bill, which was passed into law this past January. So that's why you see this mad dash to get into hemp and CBD. I literally so, had a girl who, who, for all intensive purposes, is a titty model on Instagram. And you know what she yeah. said to me? She said, well, I'm just building up this space to, to get my, uh, you know, my CBD thing going. Yeah. And I was like, work. wait a minute. You're like a titty model on Instagram. You over here in this space, too? Seems seems way too fishy right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did not mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. <laughs> a lot of people. Titty are bottles getting... on Instagram. They kind of keep my. Okay, that's another story. I'm so sorry. Go ahead you, again. You can't you can't knock it because they have a following. They have. I can't influence. knock what the titty model part or the titty model moving into the situation. Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Both. You can't knock her for moving into the space if she's got a if she's got a, a sphere of influence and she can get some of those people to buy her titty oil her titty cbd oil then why not she they want to be glistening too under the sun. <laughs> <They're shining. laughs> they want their titties moisture okay so you were you were ex- you were explaining that that space yeah so cbd is like the new thing because um there i mean i'm not going to name the name because it's a Trademark name, um, don't want to get into any trouble for that, but there's a particular medication that was approved by the FDA to treat epilepsy um, in, in human adults and children, and they did a, a clinical study of it. The FDA approved it, and it's out on the market to treat it, and it's CBD-based, okay. hemp-derived. Um, so everybody kind of ran with that. What's important is that people are getting a full-spectrum CBD um, with all the benefits, all the cannabinoids, 
um, the full spectrum of benefits from the CBD. And people are touting how much it helps them. It helps people with PTSD. It helps with um, all sorts of uh, inflammation, osteoporosis. People are touting all the benefits of this stuff, even myself. I mean, I have a really, really bad anxiety problem. I can take some good quality CBD and I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I can vape it. If I want to vape it, I can apply, you know, take it sublingually. It's great. Sublingually? So, I mean, what? What? Ex- you can't just throw things out there and expect me to grab it. I, I got I need some help as you're bringing me through this class. Sublingually under, is under the tongue by mouth. Okay, okay I'm fine. Nasty. I'm there with you. Talking about tongues and under tongue, you over there getting freaked nasty in mind. <laughs> Hey, look, look, ever since that whole titty model thing we were talking about a second ago, which I will continue to reference back to, you know how this goes. But OK, so there's OK, so there's that. And go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, the rush really is to get as much CBD oil and CBD products out onto the market as you can reasonably get um, a, a, a wide range of products to touch every part of the market. So a lot of companies are gearing their products towards women. A lot of companies are gearing their products towards fitness. Um, if you haven't noticed, you'll see that a lot on Instagram. A lot of your favorite Instagram models and athletes are now touting CBD supplements. So people are trying to touch every part of the market, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Just They're just turning it into different things and marketing it different. It's the same thing. So are these things, because you know, it doesn't matter what anybody tells me. When I think of weed, I'm thinking, am I getting high? No. No, no. CBD does not get you high. CBD does not have the psychoactive component um, that THC has. THC is going to get you high. It metabolizes through your body. You're going to get zooted. CBD is not the same thing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, under federal law, under the Farm Bill, um, in order for you to lawfully sell CBD products that are derived from hemp, the hemp plant has to have a Delta 9 THC level of less than 0.3% on a dry weight basis. And the, re- the way you'll know this is when you buy your product, you have to ask for a certificate of analysis, which is required under the law, that will break it all down for you. So if you get pulled over with some hemp flour and the cops want to arrest you, you take out your certificate of analysis and you let them know it's industrial hemp. It's legally permissible. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, it's, it just sounds like I don't know. It, to me, like I said, it seems like I'm, I keep hearing a lot of people in circles that I be in. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm in some funny circles. That could be another conversation as well. But I'm hearing all these people talking about moving into this space. And it almost just sounds too good to be true. Like I said, again, I, I remember it wasn't long ago. We were having these like I'm literally at lunch. I'm literally I'm in a Starbucks. We're having a, a Bitcoin conversation. Yo, how much you got right now? I guarantee you in a week we 30,000 up. I'm thinking to myself, you like you, you can barely start a computer up, buddy. How you know this Bitcoin thing, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, so when you're thinking about that space and, you know, like I said, one of the things I want to do here at Southern Hospitality is I I will ask the question that I guess makes me sound dumb, because to me, I think these things are a little more in depth than everybody's throwing out on the surface. And, yeah. you know, knowing you and and how detailed you are, especially with the backlogs and that sort of thing. um. I guess, you know, I'll ask the simplified question, which is, I guess, what I'm what I'm attempting to do here, because I, it just seems almost it just almost seems too good to be true. It's it's not, though. It, it's not here, here. here, It's not. You just have to have your ducks in a row. And like I said in, in my previous very long drawn statement, probably missed it because I'm, I'm rambling. Um, 
there's a place for everyone. Everyone is finding their space to market this. It's the same thing, but people are changing it up and marketing it differently. Okay. So now, when, okay. So when you say change it up, right? What do you, okay. Say me, you, my guy, my guy, Jason, suddenly we're in this thing. What makes our spaces, if essentially, are they essentially all have to be the same thing? They have to be the same thing in the beginning, like the basics of it. Well, it's CBD oil. So you, we've got people who are selling CBD-based um, products for your hair, CBD oil-based products for your hair. Why can't you turn that into a beard oil? Why can't you turn that into, I don't know, a moisturizer for men's hair? You see what I'm saying? You're taking the same sort of product, repackaging it, and remarketing it. So the formulations aren't that far apart. It's right. just a marketing game, you know, and the quality of your CBD product, the quality of your actual oil. Um, but you have to have your ducks in a row. It's not too good to be true. If you're organized, you know what you're doing. You're represented in this space. You need a lawyer. 100%. Right. You got to get a lawyer. Um, it's just too, too federally regulated not to, but if you have your ducks in a row and you know exactly the market you're going to target, I mean, we laughed about the titty model, but if she does have a titty oil that makes you glisten when you're on the beach and it's CBD derived. She, I mean, it's the same freaking oil. She just marketed it differently. It's just that if you're in it just for an overnight success, it's not going to work. It's a long haul type of game because it's going to change. The regulations are going to change. And if the FDA comes down with any sort of ruling within the next couple of months because the space is still new, you've got to be able to change with it. And right. that's where, you know, that's where the trouble comes from. It, 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 that's where we're going to uh, hit the, the bubble popping is when the regulations come down and people can't adapt. Does that make sense? It does kind of. I guess I guess here's my here's my next question though because one of the other things that I'm hearing really really super heavy out here and maybe because I have a couple of people who've been in this space where they are doing real time for something to do with the weed space. Mm-hmm. And now it mm-hmm. seems like the weed space is becoming corporate. They over here doing 25 26 years. Yep. And John's over here now. He didn't. He didn't. Bl- he got a full blown business going. Mm-hmm. That is the sad reality of this industry, and um, that's why we need more of this. And I'm touching my skin here in the industry. I cannot tell you how many events I go to where I am the only brown girl in the room. And I mean, I went to an expo in Colorado this past week, and I literally, maybe out of a hundred people, was probably the only brown girl in the entire after party. Probably the only brown girl. Uh, there, we don't have that kind of representation in this space, and it's a bigger, it's a bigger issue. They've taken that industry, like I, I prefaced this entire conversation with. They've taken an entire industry that was run by us minorities. We are experts in it. They incarcerated all of the experts, and then stole everything that we knew and created an entire industry based on it, while everyone's still incarcerated. Fortunately, there are some states that are overturning convictions. But I mean, the damage is done, isn't it? The businesses are already taken off. I mean, damage is done. If you're smart, you'll come out and try to find a way into it. Um, but the damage is done as far as I'm concerned. Right. And that's what I'm saying. So how and like you. OK, so you say you, you went to a couple of conventions and out of 100 people, you're the only brown girl in the space. Yeah. Do you think that's because we're not? educated on you know in the in the the brown and and black or the the, let's say let's say the urban the urban space because we're not educated on how to get in like let's do this Mm -hmm. say you want to get into that industry how Mm -hmm. much of an initial investment 
because nobody because look in the yeah. regular in the regular cannabis space or weed space if you ain't got it but you got effort and you got a decent connect you might get fronted yeah but in that space that's that's a corporate space now can yeah. you go to the bank and get a loan to start in that space or so how much would it would an initial investment you say would probably be Depends in the actual medical marijuana space. Depends on your state, but it can go up into the hundreds of thousands of dollars if you want to. If you want to grow, which, um, is, which is starting right now to look like exactly why you may have been the only brown girl in that room. Because if you're talking a hundred grand right now, now it seems like the, the playing field is unfair for the average, the average, you know, the average. And I, I'll, I'll use the term urban, the urban population, brown or black person, to say that they want to move into that space. They say, oh yeah, I know a lot about weed. I know I could do this. It, now it's a hundred grand and it's a hundred thousand dollar investment right off the top to get in. The bank isn't helping you. That's disposable income for somebody. Am yeah. I correct? No. Okay, agree. I mean, agree. And, and you've busted my cousin John John, who really had that because because now he locked up and he had he he definitely had the capital because he had made the money from that space. Exactly, exactly. But it seeds somewhere. Yeah. No. Until I one hundred percent get where you're coming from. But it's not it's not it's not just about growing either. It's about ancillary services. I can't afford to open a grow. I know a lot about seeds and growing um, and, and how to do it. Um, I can't afford to open a grow. And I'm a freaking lawyer, you know, I've been practicing for seven years. But I can offer an ancillary service. I can service this industry. Um, and I think that's where we miss out on the opportunities. What value can you bring to the industry? So, I mean, if you, if, if you are educated on it and you know about it, what is the one thing that those business people don't know that you do know? And consult. Consult. See if you can get in. I mean, it's, I think that's the, the part of it is that someone's not holding our hands through the process. We've got to be able to go out and take these opportunities ourselves. So, and, and that's why I go to these things. I mean, I went to Trump country with a bunch of farmers and eventually, at the end of the night, I had them all taking shots at a strip club and did business. And I locked in. We are back to the titties again. So the titties just. You can't get away from that discussion when you're talking to me. I conduct a lot. <laughs> I can't help it. You got to speak the language sometimes. Gotcha. So. Yeah. So it's almost like any other business, though, it seems too. like you get into and you, you go in and you explore and you make these connections also, too. And you you can learn some other things as you're as you're developing what your idea is yeah you, you do you do but you go you check out the landscape i i encourage anyone that wants to get into this space go to a hemp expo go to an actual trade show where you're going to see these cbd vendors take a look around see what they're offering get to know them buddy up with them everyone is really really cool majority of them are really really high and just, <laughs> everyone's really cool and People are willing to share information, um, maybe not all the proprietary information, right. but it's a nice community. You got to get in there and be willing to learn, but you got to force yourself in. And also, I find it really, really important to make connections with other minorities in the business. I have, um, I have a client out of Tennessee, and this is, this is how he got in. This is actually a very, very um, inspirational story, and I get emotional when I talk about it. He, um, hum, very humble beginnings, he came from a farm, farm family. Um, the farming generation sort of died out, but they had this land in Tennessee that kept getting passed down, passed down, passed down. Um, and no one was doing anything with it. Now my client heard about this pilot program in Tennessee, at uh, Tennessee, <laughs> where's my mind? <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee. Oh boy. In Tennessee. 
Um, and he reached out to me and was like, listen, I, I've got this land. Can I, can I really grow hemp out here? I looked into it and we went ahead with getting his uh, license application put in and he got a license for his family to grow hemp on this family farm, this family land that they had. And he got the license. And I mean, it was just a matter of him asking the question and taking the time to go through the process. And now he's growing with the big ass farms in Tennessee that are supplying hemp to like half of the East Coast. He's growing and they're going to do very, very well. Oh, yeah. Wow. And it was just about asking the question, can I do this? And, and following instructions and, you know, having the forethought to say, wait a minute, I can't, I can do this. Why can't I? I got the land. We know how to farm. Do you know, <laughs> do you know what, what states are leading the way, right? What states are leading the way right now when in this, okay. in this whole business? Um, we've got Oklahoma, Colorado, you know, Colorado for sure. They're, they're like the OGs in the game. Cali, they've kind of taken over the cannabis, medical marijuana stuff and recreational marijuana. Oregon, um, even Minnesota is getting it, getting into the swing of things. But we're going to see in the next uh, few years, the East Coast is really going to start picking up. I've already seen Tennessee. We've already seen South Carolina. Florida is actually doing a pilot program as well. We're going to see up and down the East Coast. East Coast going to start getting smart about it and letting people grow because it's, it's a whole new industry for farmers as well. So if you come from a farming background and you used to grow corn or sugar for Coca-Cola or whoever, right. switch over to hemp and run your own. It's really not that hard to grow. And even if you don't want to grow, the opportunity to process is there. And even if you don't want to process, the opportunity to broker deals is there. So it sounds like to me at the end of the day, what you're saying is if you have any interest at all in this in this whole field, cannabis, CBD, hemp, whatever term we're using at the moment, it is it is still right now worth doing the research. It's worth it's worth asking the questions. You figure out what you want to do. Ask the questions and, and figure out what space you're going to get into in this entire thing. I think people get overwhelmed. Um, I think they, they kind of go where you were going. I, I either got to grow or I got to sell it. Like I, I got, no, there's a million other things you could do in, in between. Just figure out what value you can add. And, and shit, you can even call me up and we can strategy session about it for free. I don't even mind. I'll give you 15 minutes. Like that. Are you talking about me or somebody else? Cause I call and, you for free all the time. Cause I just, you think I don't know that you got a running tab with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying though, I, I, it interests me not as a person who really wants to get into it per se, but it just interests me. I like I said because it just seemed like to me it was almost too good. To, it's it was almost too good to be true. No. I saw a few people make the money with some with the Bitcoin thing, and then I saw some people that I was like, like I said, you can barely log into a computer. How are you suddenly in this Bitcoin world? You know, so so when I started hearing about the cannabis thing and, and that world and where it was going, I really wanted to talk to someone who I know was exploring it deep deeper. And, you know, that sort of thing. So you, so do you also you also represent clients who are going into that world? Yeah, 100 percent. I represent international clients as well. People are growing in Jamaica. People are growing all over. I have a client, um, Mile, Mile High Cure out of Cali. Um, they're doing all kinds of CBD products. I represent growers. People are actually touching the hemp and putting it into the dirt. I can't wait till um, the summertime when I can actually go up to the farms and frolic in the cannabis. How is it? How is it working for say someone in a country like Jamaica or like Mexico where we know 
they got it over there. How is it working for someone from there that says, okay, well, I want to, I may want to get into this business over to the United States. Is there going to be some kind of an international thing or is there already something in place where they can ship things over here and it's not, it's not, because I mean, it seems like if it goes right, the cartels could be in this business or am I thinking, or am I thinking way out of, out of line? Hey, we can, we have business cartels already. I mean, if you really think about it, the whole industry is a giant cartel. If you think about it, Florida is a giant cartel. But I mean, um, you're talking about the illegal drug trade. Well, cannabis, marijuana, as we know, it can't be shipped internationally. Gotcha. Okay? Under, under the, any new regulations, but hemp, industrial hemp can be. So you'll see a lot of countries like Jamaica you'll, that have legalized marijuana and legalized hemp cultivation. You'll see companies going out there investing in the land because it's there and you've got the great weather year round, um, growing crops there and shipping it back to their processors in the States. So as long as they're complying with the federal laws, the U.S. federal laws that we talked about, the Delta 9 um, THC levels being under 0.3%, they're fine. So you see, it's it's cheaper to get land in Jamaica. I have a client that's out there that's growing. On family land, it's a black-owned farm as well. So, yeah. It sounds like, oh, I, didn't, I didn't believe it when we started that there was some room, but it sounds like the more I talk to you, the deeper this conversation gets, that there is some room if you do the research and if you're really, really, truly interested. But it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not no. a get-rich-invest-this-year-you're-rich-next-year year type of thing. Well, I mean, if you if you market the hell out of it, well, let's use the titty the titty uh, oil for example. You market the hell out of it. If you've got a million followers, you're bound to make some sales. You know, if you've got that kind of influence, right. you're bound to for the long run. Is it gonna is this gonna be a, a scalable um, business that you're gonna, you're gonna be able to sell down the line? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you're gonna be able to to scale this and make it bigger than what it is. You might make a couple bucks, but it's not going to go anywhere if that's all you're after is just selling snake oil to people or and you don't even care about the integrity of your product. You just, you're just in it for the money. The industry will not embrace you. You'll be pushed out. Should you be a partaker of the product to be in it? Do you have to, do you have to want the, do you think that it's better if you want, if you like the experience like me, I'm not really interested in the experience. It's not a good place for me. And that's, this is just advice. I guess you give somebody. Uh, yeah, but you can't knock it until you try it. And I think for a lot of us that have fallen into this space, it's we, we came, we had that, that notion at first. We had that idea at first. And then we actually experienced the benefits of it. And then we were like, holy shit, I'm super passionate about what this can do. Instead of taking, um, you know, three or four prescription drugs, I can vape a little bit of CBD at the end of my day. I'm relaxed. My blood pressure is low. Um, I don't, I'm not as anxious. I don't have a migraine. Um, or I can take it throughout the day because I'm not high. If I have pain in my wrist, I don't have to take a leave or Tylenol. Um, I can put a topical thing on my wrist and I'm okay. Uh, when you see the benefits of it, you start to understand that, hey, I don't have to poison my body with pharmaceuticals every day. I can use something natural that doesn't get me high. So now we're in a whole big space of we're going to be battling big pharmaceutical in a few years. Well, I mean, that's a whole huge issue because we're running into problems with the FDA and their, uh, you know, their position on CBD. Um, they're not doing anything about it at the moment, but th this is going to be an uphill battle. At some, and this is why I say at some point the regulations will change. People that are passionate about it and are in the industry doing things the right way are going to be able to move with the ebbs and flows. 
people that are just in it to make a quick buck, they're not going to have the resources or the knowledge to adapt. Right. Unless they hire me. Well, there you go. That's a, that's a good thing too. That that's a good way to sum it up. Unless they hire you, <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, anything that you'd like to anything that you'd like to leave us for anyone who's thinking about this space at all. Not someone who's dumb on the whole space like me, because now I feel like I got to go and call you now on my free retainer and get a whole bunch of new information. Yeah, because I I might got some money I want to throw in. I, I'm super interested now. Um, yeah. Um, like I said, do your research, figure out what you can, what, how, what value can you add to the space? There's room here for everyone. It's developing. If you got some land, fuck it, grow. If you got some money to invest in processing, get some machines, start processing. I mean, if you want to sell it, um, there's a little, there's a couple things, but do some research. You can add value. If you want to market, if you're, you know, if you, if that's what you want, if you want to just do reviews online. There's a space for that as well. There's lots of ways to get into this industry if you're smart about it and you care. Are you going to open up a shop one day? I, I've seen, I'm seeing the shops and stuff. Are you? Is that a space you're going to move yeah. into at some for point? Sure. Um, I'm actually in the works right now. I actually, I'm going to open up a CBD dispensary and uh, lounge. I actually have um, exclusive uh, distribution rights to CBD infused hookah in Florida. So. Oh wow. Yeah, that's coming down the pike. So you, when you go to your, your near your local club, you might soon have CBD hookah, cannabis infused hookah. I will keep an eye out for that from the <laughs> DJ booth. <laughs> how can you, they get in? How can they get in touch with you? You can follow me on Instagram. My handle is Jalene D underscore JD. You can follow my fun account too, Jalene Alicia or Jill Alicia. And of course, you can find me on YouTube under Jolene D. I've got lots of informative videos about the hemp space and cannabis space up there. And you can also reach out to Ekin. He's got my direct line and my email. You can give it out. It's cool. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I feel so easy right now. <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, we'll talk more soon. And um, I'm not even sure. Uh, like I said, again, I, I'm happy of what, what I, with what I learned today about the space. Um, I'm probably going to go drink something now. It's three o'clock. It's two. <laughs> or smoke something. Or I'll, I'll drink something, smoke you something. I don't know. I should smoke something. Maybe I'll try yeah. that soon. I'm not even a what? smoker. What? Let me ask you a question. For someone who's not a smoker like me, what would you, what would you recommend that they try first? Oh my God. You have got to try some CBD flour, some hemp flour, or even a little vape cartridge, a little vape pen. Those can be a little bit intimidating, but if someone actually rolled you up a really nice hemp flower joint, a nice indica strain, I think you would do like something that's not too crazy. I think you'd do well. I think you'd relax a little bit. I'd relax a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, because you need to relax sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the advice. Uh, I do. I appreciate it. On my visit to Tampa, my next visit to Tampa, I will, I will bring you a complimentary pre-rolled joint of cbd hemp flower and i appreciate it just like i appreciate you everybody rocking with us man this is uh the lovely jeline i'm i'm so super proud of you and i'm so glad to call you my friend thank you thank you because you let me call you and ask you law questions 
and my tab doesn't really run up. That's also a plus. <laughs> <laughs> I will be in touch soon. Uh, Southern Hospitality. Smoke something, drink something. I like that. We can do a smoke something, drink something part two when you op- when you get everything in these establishments so we can talk about that. Maybe we'll come do an episode live from one of your places and I could smoke something and drink something. 100%. I'm with it. I'm, with I'm it. geeked. I'm geeked. I'm with it. <laughs> I think, A thousand I think, percent. I think that's the move right there. Southern hospitality, man, because the South's got something to say. I'm DJ Eakin. I appreciate you rocking with us. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. This whole Jesse Smollett bullshit made our country further apart. One ass clown who tried to do an ass clown thing is going to set really black relations decades. I'm being serious about that. You know, when you when he. They should have put him in jail, okay? As a as a black man, it would have been better if they would have put Jesse Smollett, stupid ass, in jail. Because now, all the naysayers are going to say, well, what about Jesse Smollett? What about him? When something happens, when somebody, when somebody, if somebody wears a, a MAGA hat and say they beat a black person, that's happened before. I'm going to say it happens a lot, but it's happened before. Right away, what about Jesse Smollett? You know, I, I got in an argument the other day on the, on, the, on the radio and everything was like, what about OJ? What about Jesse Smollett? Those are two rich black people. That's not what, you know, when, when Colin Kaepernick knelt for racial injustice, he wasn't kneeling for OJ Simpson and Jesse Smollett. They're rich. He was kneeling for the other people that are getting abused on the street that don't have a voice. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.